0: Right now, November, you know, this is more important than all of us. And we really need to make sure that we defeat Donald Trump at the polls.
1: Mm. Good point, AOC. Thank you for mentioning it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with here. You. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's K G O E. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, uh, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, where they will be voting soon. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, and Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, they'll also be voting there, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience. On the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. On just, you know, an incredibly busy news day for a change, the stock market cratered again on Monday, bigly this time, as coronavirus concerns helped also to tank oil market futures. Are those two separate, Desi Doyen, are those two separate things, the fears of coronavirus and the oil uh, futures tanking.
2: Yes, they are separate things, but they're so interconnected because our entire global economic system is now interconnected. So when you have a crash in an oil stock, you'll have crashes in other industries that rely on every on oil, which is pretty much everything.
1: All of this, as the virus continued to spread, uh, both in the U.S. and around the globe, and as the President of the United States spent the weekend at Mar-a-Lago, playing golf with buddies and throwing a party for Don Jr.'s girlfriend, while Melania stayed back in D.C. to help build a tennis pavilion at the White House. Seriously, that was the Trumps weekend. As the market crashed some 1,800 points at the opening bell on Monday, falling more than 2,000 points by the close, Donald Trump used the same method to try to combat the coronavirus as he does everything else. He basically took to Twitter to try and tweet it away. But as the New York Times' Peter Baker observed, the coronavirus does not respond to Trump's favorite instruments of power. It cannot be cowed by Twitter posts. It cannot be shot down by drones. It cannot be overcome by party solidarity. It cannot be overpowered by campaign rally chants. It can, however, result in the self-quarantines of now three well-known Republican Trump loyalists. That would be Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and uh, Republican Congressman Doug Collins of Georgia and Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. All three have now announced that they are self-quarantining after meeting with a guy at a recent CPAC conference. That's the right wing conference in D.C., Uh, who has now uh, tested positive for the coronavirus. They all uh, glad-handed him, and so they have all now shut themselves into quarantine. And with all of that and the markets plummeting, actually uh, being shut down at one point to try and stop the bleeding, Donald Trump started his day on Monday at Mar-a-Lago before heading to the Orlando area for two fundraising events. (laughs) With plans to eventually return, eventually he'll get back to the White House, back to work. At uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon or so No rush, Mr. President From the White House pool report During Trump's fundraisers uh, As Wall Street burned and America Hunkered down in the midst of a still Expanding global uh, pandemic Which, by the way, just before airtime Has pretty much shut down All of Italy I think the Prime Minister there has uh, Called for travel restrictions across The entire nation Yes,
2: there was actual travel restrictions In the northern part of the country, there were concerns about how they were going to police that. And so he's now put travel restrictions over the entire country. Just in
1: case you want a preview of what may be heading to these United States, look to Italy. Uh, In any event, the uh, pool report uh, said, uh, as uh, Trump was uh, going to these fundraisers on Monday afternoon amidst all of this, uh, quote, Trump arrived for fundraiser at House in Orlando, draped with Trump 2020 Keep America Great banner another sign seen along the highway along uh, seen along uh, along his route according to the pool report was held by someone dressed as Elmo the sign read even I'm turning blue in 2020 In uh, sharing that pool report today on Twitter, George Conway, the uh, longtime Republican attorney and operative who is still, incredibly enough, married to senior White House counsel Kellyanne Conway, he tweeted, quote, We are all Elmo now. But are we? The uh, mop-up from last Super Tuesday's elections continue around the country, particularly in California and Texas, even as another only a s- slight, slightly lesser super group of states is voting this Tuesday, specifically Idaho, Michigan. The first of the Rust Belt states to hold a primary this year and seen by many as a must win for Bernie Sanders, where he won in an upset victory over Hillary Clinton back in 2016. Also in Mississippi, also in my old home state of Missouri, where the largest county in that state and one of the largest in the nation, actually St. Louis County smartly moved this year to all hand marked paper ballots for the first time, ditching their touchscreens, finally. Uh, They'll also be voting in North Dakota, the only state in the union where no voter registration at all is required to vote, by the way. Uh, And uh, the great state of Washington, as uh, Washington battles one of the worst coronavirus clusters in the nation at the moment, though luckily for them, in this case, Washington happens to vote almost entirely by mail. So... Uh, No virus-covered touchscreens to have to avoid on Tuesday. That is good. Uh, We'll get to voting concerns as the uh, candidates have plenty of people endorsing them. The voters, however, themselves do not. So we endorse voters. We support voters over candidates here on the broadcast. Uh, We'll get to concern about voting and voters in a moment. But uh, first, this uh, public service announcement from Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York from late night with Seth Meyers last week.
0: Is it safe to assume that you will uh, support uh, Joe Biden if he is the nominee? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I've said throughout this entire process that what is so important is that we ultimately unite behind who that Democratic nominee is. Um, I think it's a two way street. I've been concerned by some. Um, Folks that say if Bernie's the nominee, they won't support him, Um, and the other way around. Um, Right now, November, you know, this is more important than all of us, and we really need to make sure that we defeat Donald Trump at the polls, Um, assuming and knowing how, how insane it's going to get between now and then.
1: So I hope everyone heard that. That was uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, a huge Bernie Sanders supporter, saying that, yes, she would be voting for Joe Biden if Joe Biden ends up being the uh, the nominee this November, uh, and also sending a message to Biden supporters that if it is Bernie Sanders that everyone needs to get together. It is just that important this November ...to remove this guy from the White House. Uh, and with that, a, a quick follow-up on a story that we reported last week, late last week, that Montana's Democratic Governor Steve Bullock, who vowed during his brief presidential run last year that he would not run for the U.S. Senate. Uh, we reported last week that he was considering running after all for the U.S. Senate uh, after dropping out from the Democratic presidential nominating contest while failing to get traction. Well, today... Was the filing deadline in Montana and yes, very good news in the fight for Democrats to take back the U.S. Senate this November. Montana Governor Steve Bullock officially launched his Senate campaign against Republican incumbent Senator Steve Daines on Monday morning. Bullock tweeted the announcement. Uh, He said, I've always fought for the people of Montana. Together we expanded health care, protected public lands, banned dark money in politics, and more. Now I am taking that fight to the U.S. Senate. And I do want to underscore his uh, banning of dark money in uh, Montana, the fight to do so. Uh, He has been a great champion for that. So this is very good news, I would say, for Democrats, as the popular Bullock won Won his election for a second term uh, for governor in 2016 on the very same statewide ballot, where Donald Trump is said to have won the state of Montana by 20 points. Nonetheless, they elected a Democrat at the same time as their governor. Now he's running for the U.S. Senate. Moreover, in 2018, Montana re-elected another Democratic senator. That would be John Tester for his third term. And so Bullock, who uh, remains popular in his state, could offer the Republican Danes a real run for his money this November. And I suspect there will be a lot of money spent trying to keep Danes in uh, because Bullock could potentially provide the fifth seat that Democrats would need for a clear takeover of the U.S. Senate this November. There are currently four Republican held seats. Uh, that are being uh, most heavily targeted by Democrats. That would be Cory Gardner's in Colorado, Susan Collins's in Maine, Martha McSally's in Arizona, and Tom Tillis in North Carolina. Democrats believe that they can flip all four of those Republican seats. And a new poll out last week shows the uh, Democratic challengers in all four currently running ahead of the GOP incumbents. So while Democrats... Only need to flip four seats to take back the majority. If all four of those states went their way, they'd have the majority, except they could lose at least one uh, Democratic-held seat. That would be Doug Jones this year in Alabama. So. Winning five seats would certainly assure that they take back the majority from uh, Republicans and from Mitch McConnell, which they will have to do no matter who the, Democratic, uh, the Democrats nominate for president, at least if Democrats are going to have any chance of reser- reversing the disastrous Trump presidency. But, of course, to do that, voters need to be able to vote this year, which may become a real problem As the coronavirus expands, especially in jurisdictions that force voters to use germy and 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens at the polling place on Election Day. And to that end, we've got uh, still more news flooding in from right here in Los Angeles County which you may have heard had a meltdown of its brand new electronic poll books and its $300 million unverifiable touchscreen voting systems used for the first time disastrously last week on Super Tuesday, resulting in hours-long lines across much of the nation's most populous voting jurisdiction here in L.A. Also, we continue to follow the fallout of similarly failed touchscreen voting systems in the Uh, In a number of major counties in Texas, where some had to wait seven hours to cast a vote last week. And even elsewhere around the state of California, where electronic poll books failed in at least 15 counties, leading to long lines uh, across the state and and votes uh, that uh, had to be cast on provisional ballots, which are being counted and will continue to be counted for the next several weeks. Here in Los Angeles, where many voters remain outraged about two to four hour lines to cast their votes um, or being disenfranchised altogether because they couldn't afford to wait in those lines uh, or because the e-poll books, the electronic poll books and brand new touchscreen ballot marking devices just failed. uh, Voters are planning to tell their stories on Tuesday, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. at the Board of Supervisors meeting If you're in town, if you have a story to tell, or if you just want to support voters, that would be 10 a.m. at 500 West Temple Street. Particularly if you're one of those voters who wants to let the board know just how bad it was for you on Super Tuesday. There were also protests today in Los Angeles calling for L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan to be fired. The new voting system was his brainchild. It was developed by him and the county over the past 10 years, despite warnings from, well, folks like me, and often only folks like me, often only me, uh, warning that it was a huge mistake that would lead to exactly what happened last week, and even worse, uh, in the event of a close election. If you are in L.A., but you can't make it to tell your story to the Board of soups on Tuesday morning... March 10 at 10 a.m. You can call your supervisor. Got a, got a pen? Uh, you can reach them at 213-974-1411. That's 213-974-1411. If you'd like to demand we restore hand marked paper ballots to everyone in Los Angeles, uh, if you don't know who your uh, Board of Supervisors, who your particular supervisor is, you can look it up along with their email address at BOS, that's Board of Supervisors, uh, And of course, You can call me today with your story if you had problems at the polls and uh, feel like people need to know about it. Uh, I've got a lot to try and plow through today, but I would also like to get to at least some of your calls, if I can, at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to get in line to let both uh, Los Angeles and the world know about what you had to go through to simply cast a vote On Super Tuesday last week I have been hearing from folks For the past week via email uh, Where you can reach me I am bradcast at bradblog.com And on Twitter Where I am thebradblog If you want to find, follow, and reach me there Um, So I've been hearing people For the past week Uh, For example, George writes to describe his voting nightmare last week. Subject line, voting fiascos in L.A. County. I had the worst voting experience of my life, says George, on March 3rd, 2020. First, the wait to just get inside was two hours. My former precinct had been shut down, as had many all over the county. The new sparsely located voting centers were going to serve the county's voters. Now, very easy-to-use voting machines would take the place of extra, unneeded poll workers, saving the county many dollars. But the new voting machines could not check in voters and explain the various options that were available to voters. The human poll workers could smile and use inflection to ease the hearts and minds of the very tired and weary defenders of democracy. When the bedraggled voter finally faced the vaunted voting machine, they had to stand and listen to a computer-generated voice explain in intricate detail the possible options to voting all over again and in very confusing legalese in much the same way as city or county measures and propositions are written. George writes, then, as challenging as the voting software was to navigate, the machines had an unexplained MORE, or MOSS prompt at the bottom of some digital pages that, if not recognized, meant that some candidates would not be seen, like Bernie Sanders on the fourth digital page for president. At long last, George says, I completed my ballot and was told by the computerized voice to cast it into a slot in the booth. I tried several times, but some words on the screen told me there was a malfunction. I then called the one helper who was assisting those who had problems, which was nearly everyone, he says, thus making the voting process slower and more tedious. He notes, when I was a poll worker in the 2016 presidential election, there were about eight poll workers, and we could keep the process moving and give each other breaks. There was never more than a five minute wait. I was happy to have served so many eager voters and to have done it with great efficiency. The LA County registrar of voters could not have fully checked out the new machines which was absolutely critical to the efficient and humane treatment of hopeful voters. The closing down of many voting precincts necessitated a flawless, glitch-free system to be able to achieve in many less voting venues what was going to be accomplished in the new voting centers. This, he says, did not happen. And as a result, many voters, because of incredibly long lines, were not able to exercise their constitutionally guaranteed right to vote. Many people in the extremely slow-paced lines were having friends get takeout food, as most of us had just come from work and had not had dinner. To say that this was an ill-thought-out plan is an understatement, writes George. This was a de facto disenfranchisement for many, whether intentional or not. Uh, Thank you, George. And I could not uh, be more sorry, frankly, about what you had to go through to merely participate in your own democracy. Uh, Nor could I be more thankful that you toughed it out to do so. Folks folks who listen to this show or read Bradblog.com know how long I have been trying to warn about exactly what you confronted, uh, George, on Election Day last week. And I am sorry. I wish I could have done more. We interviewed uh, several poll poll workers on this program late last week to try and get a sense of what was, what went wrong and, and why it went wrong. You can download that program, of course, for free at bradblog.com if you missed it. Jerry in Oregon writes into to bradcast at bradblog.com to say, Subject, an Oregon voter shaking his head. Dear Brad, I am a daily listener and monthly contributor. Thank you, Jerry. Up here in Portland, and am just utterly stunned and appalled at the voting mess in L.A. County and and, uh, other locales throughout this uh, country. While listening to you warn Americans for months and years, the predictable horror show continues cycle after cycle, seemingly getting worse, not better. Meanwhile, up here in the Beaver State, all those nightmares are completely anathema to us Oregon voters because of vote-by-mail. Although I know you are opposed to VBM, he writes, it is such a nice alternative to the scenario presented by you on a nearly daily basis. Since 1998, Oregon has used VBM exclusively where the voter turnout has been between 69 and as high as 86 percent. About three weeks before an election, the voter pamphlet is mailed out, and then 14 to 18 days before the election, a paper ballot is sent. In the comfort of your own home, you can leisurely go over the various candidates, measures, levies, and etc., and handmark your choice. Anecdotally speaking, notes Jerry, the vast majority of Oregonians do not mail in their votes, but rather on Election Day, drop their sealed and signed paper ballots at the local county official location, which includes local libraries. He says it is so pain free and easy with no lines or hassles that voting is an enjoyable experience for all that choose the endeavor. And oh, yeah. We also have a motor voter law, which automatically registers soon-to-be teenage voters. I wish it could be this easy for all citizens to cast their constitutionally guaranteed vote. Then maybe you could retire, Brad. Oh, from your lips to God's ears, Jerry. Uh, Thanks and love the show, Jerry in southeast Portland. Thank you. Jerry is right. I do usually oppose vote-by-mail unless it is absolutely necessary because you either can't vote in person on election, uh, on election day or or because you live in a jurisdiction which requires you to vote on a 100% unverifiable touchscreen. In that case, I actually do recommend vote by mail, uh, as I did here in Los Angeles for the first time ever, now that we, for the first time ever, force voters to vote on these crappy touchscreens, uh, n- uh, which I was none too happy about, to be frank. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, voting by mail, if you have to use a touchscreen, voting by mail and then, as Jerry suggests, dropping it off on Election Day is indeed the best way to maximize uh, the possibility of your votes being counted and counted accurately, particularly on uh, any kind of touchscreen, including the brand new $300 million failed screens here in Los Angeles. To that end, last week after the disaster in L.A., California Secretary of State Alex Padilla, who I want to make sure you hear me, has been a big supporter of the new Los Angeles system over the past 10 years of its development. He is now pretending to be outraged by the disasters last week that he helped cause. Uh, As directed uh, and and he directed, I'm sorry, L.A. County's registrar, Dean Logan, to send vote by mail ballots to all voters this November in Los Angeles County. Given the disasters and given the fact that the coronavirus could severely impact the turnout in November, uh, depending on which way things go here in the coming weeks and months, especially at polling places where voters are forced to vote on these germy touchscreens, Um, Padilla's directive now makes the most sense for the 5.5 million registered voters in Los Angeles where any of them can request a vote-by-mail ballot. Um, But uh, now Padilla is directing Dean Logan here in Los Angeles to send one to every voter. Now, whether Logan will follow that directive or not, that remains to be seen. The paper of record here in Los Angeles, that would be LA Times who wrote nothing but glowing softball previews for this new voting system in article after article before Election Day. And by the way, they didn't even reply back to me. Desi Doyen, I don't even know if you know this, but I wrote no. an op-ed for LA Times to send it to them several weeks before the election, warning voters about the new systems, urging all Los Angelinos to request a vote-by-mail ballot. Um well, they, they didn't even get back to me at the L.A. Times to say thanks, but no thanks.
2: Really? Yeah. Wow. They were,
1: you know, busy writing about this all-new voting experience that's going to be wonderful for people in Los Angeles.
2: And yet when somebody had something to say about that wonderful all-new voting system in Los Angeles, they really weren't interested. Well, that's you know,
1: it's not their job to be skeptical, apparently. <sighs> They are just one of the many papers who uh, cover these disasters after they already happen. Uh, Anyway, they reported uh, the official responses uh, to all of this last week, uh, that uh, uh, Padilla is now ordering uh, new vote-by-mail ballots for everyone of all 5.5 million voters for the November elections, Padilla said, I'm beyond frustrated and disappointed in what I saw on Tuesday, and I'm committed to making sure it doesn't happen again. Clearly, voters deserve better, Padilla said. Well, they do include better, uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, including they deserve a secretary of state who would make sure that none of this happened in the first place instead of spending years ignoring warnings from folks like myself trying to make sure that it wouldn't happen. Dean Logan, uh, L.A. County's Registrar of Voters, uh, said in a written statement that uh, he released on Thursday, he hasn't been talking to many people in the media. Now, he was only not talking to me for a while. Now it seems he doesn't want to talk to anybody for some reason. Uh, So Logan put out a written statement in response to Padilla's call to mail everyone a ballot. He said that would not be easy. He said, quote, the logistics and capacity for election administration in L.A. County are complex and demanding. Significant efforts were made and must be made going forward to ensure greater access functionality and reliability in the voting model. Expansion of vote by mail should be explored to determine its viability in the short time frame ahead of the November election, but more, he says, is required. Well, uh, take your time with that exploration, Dean. No rush. Just the most critical election in the history of this nation uh, coming up in oh about eight months. But you take your time, Dean. Let us know when when you know when you plan if you plan to look into it. Uh, if you haven't been fired as registrar already by then.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing that we should also be surprised about is with the spread of coronavirus, it is very possible that if it continues and continues to disrupt uh, actions and activities across the country, that November may actually turn out to be an all-vote-by-mail election for the first time uh, in the U.S. Across the entire country. There's a country. very strong yeah. possibility of that, yep. so I think Logan should start studying that right away.
1: Yeah. Start making plans, uh, Dean. Just saying. Uh, of course uh, you who uh, listen to this program you saw this problem coming and many others around the country that have come and are still to come uh, to that end uh, I could not be more grateful for the Sunday column from Margaret Sullivan Washington Post columnist media critic uh, and and former New York Times public editor or Ombudsman at least until the Times did away with the Ombudsman position there uh, Sullivan wrote what could have been every single rant I Think I have offered at bradblog.com or here on the broadcast over the past 16 years in Sunday's Post. uh, Headlined, The Media is Blowing Its Chance to Head Off an Election Day Debacle. And I'm running late, but let me share some of this with you. Um, You can see the entire thing. I've got it linked already at bradblog.com. Then we'll take a break and get back to some of your calls. So hang on there. Margaret Sullivan writes, if Election Day 2020 turns into a full-blown disaster, no one can say there weren't plenty of warning signs. There were the Iowa caucuses when glitches with an untested new app delayed the state's election results for havoc-filled days that turned into weeks. Or the Texas Democratic primary where some Super Tuesday voters waited in line to vote for more than six hours while others simply gave up. Or the California primary that same day when faulty new touchscreen voting equipment triggered hours-long waits in L.A. County. If comparable disasters in November robs well-intentioned uh, intentioned voters of their chance to be heard, or worse, gives bad-faith partisans an excuse to undermine the credibility of the vote— then the news media will bear a share of the blame, unless, she writes, we move quickly. Of course, I think just a share of the blame, that is very kind, Margaret. She writes, as it stands, journalists are, aren't paying enough attention to this huge story in front of their eyes. Instead, news organizations are obsessed, as always, with horse race coverage. Political reporters scrutinize every public public opinion poll as if it were the I Ching. Cable pundits blather about the potential impact of the candidate's latest gaffes, despite how notoriously bad they are at predicting uh, such things. What they are not obsessed with, she writes, sadly, is the very core of Election Day, voting itself. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Margaret. Someone in the mainstream corporate media has finally said what we have been saying in just about every Bradblog.com article and broadcast rant over the past 16-plus years. How many times have you heard me complain that the media don't bother to cover any of this until it's too late? That they are obsessed only with the horse race? That they don't care about the track conditions on which the horses are running? which we and uh, sometimes only we cover on this show and at the blog and which, as anyone who plays the ponies will tell you, makes all the difference in the world what the track conditions are as far as, you know, who you would be wise to lay your money down for. If the track conditions are sloppy, it is anyone's guess which horse could end up being declared the winner. Back to uh, Margaret Sullivan. She says there's no shortage of potential targets for journalists, malfunctioning equipment, insufficient or poorly run polling places, unfair or discriminating, a discriminatory voter registration, and flawed methods of doing recounts. Many experts are convinced that the gold standard method for casting votes is the old-fashioned hand-marked paper ballots, writes Sullivan which UC Irvine election law professor and author Rick Hassan calls, quote, the least hackable and the most auditable. And thank you again, Ms. Sullivan, for using the phrase hand-marked before the words paper ballots. Despite all this rich uh, story material, she writes, not many news organizations have dedicated themselves to sustained scrutiny. Oh, you don't say? Yes, she writes, there's plenty of attention paid when something goes wrong, as in Iowa or on Super Tuesday. But overall, the coverage tends to be haphazard after the fact and not oriented enough to deeper issues, such as the pressures and inducements for governments to invest in untried new voting machines. She says, I don't buy the argument that there are insufficient newsroom resources. Well, what? You mean Brad Blog and, and the Bradcast and the folks here at KPFK? We have the resources to cover it? But Jeff Bezos, the world's richest man and owner of the Washington Post, does not? Well, knock me over with a feather. Who knew we were so rich after all? I guess begging for, you know, $10 and $20 donations adds up much more than my bank account might suggest. No one should want a scenario in November, writes Sullivan, in which President Trump is defeated at the polls but refuses to give up the Oval Office because he charges the election was rigged. She notes that does not exactly strain credulity. Well, no, it does not. And when you play with unverifiable voting systems, whether they are rigged or not, whether they fail or not, nothing, and I mean nothing, keeps a Donald Trump from doing exactly that, from claiming that it was. And it would be impossible, for example, if he claimed that Georgia only flipped blue in November because it was rigged on 100 percent unverifiable voting systems. Well, guess what? If he did that, if he made that claim that it was unverifiable, Donald Trump would be would be right. And I would have to agree with goddamn Donald Trump. Please don't make me do that, people. She uh, concludes her uh, landmark column at The Washington Post by saying all the more reason for the press to redirect at least some of its attention from the drama of the latest poll numbers to something far more important and to do it now when it matters most. Rock the vote, she writes, by all means, but cover the vote first. Thank you, Margaret Sullivan. Her piece, as I said, is already linked to brandblog.com if you missed it on Sunday. Uh, I sure hope someone at Los Angeles Times reads it, by the way. But, you know, uh, when I ask myself, as I always do, are we covering this too much? I then read Sullivan and I am reminded we're not covering it enough because there are simply not enough hours in the day to cover what needs to be covered what that is not being covered elsewhere particularly when almost no one else is doing it at all. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back uh, with some of your calls. Yes, I've got more to cover, speaking of Georgia, where their primary will be held on uh, March 24 and 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 uh, held across the entire state on brand new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens, just like the ones that failed in Los Angeles. I've got more to cover out of Texas, where, yes, the new touchscreen ballot marking devices failed to count an untold thousands and thousands of votes on Super Tuesday, So they're having to recount everything in Dallas County. And yes, I've got concerns about the state of Florida, where someone has been changing voter registrations from Democratic to Republican just before the Sunshine State's upcoming primary on March 17. That's just about one week away. Uh, I'll try to get to all of that at this point, if not uh, on today's show, then on tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, because I would love to hear from you as well if you'd like to ring in. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. One or more of those things are going to be next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial or at least spray some Lysol on it first. It's probably covered in germs. Making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks.
2: Six, seven, eight weeks ago, we were going to hit 30,000 in the Dow like it was clockwork, right? And then all of a sudden this
1: came out. What goes up <laughs> must come down. Man, spinning wheel, got to yeah. go around. So the Dow fell more than 2,000 points on Monday, its biggest crash since the 2008 global financial meltdown amid coronavirus concerns and plummeting oil prices. And that was Donald Trump at the CDC on Friday being asked about the virus and answering with some blather about his disappointment that it caused the stock market to drop before it could reach 30,000 points. That was what he, Donald Trump was concerned about. Never mind those sick and dying people in a global pandemic, which the administration is making worse. The stock market went down. That's what Donald Trump is concerned at the CDC. Anyway, we're not taking the bait. We're holding the line here on the broadcast. There is uh, one job, frankly, between now and November, making sure voters can vote. And vote this horrific and wildly dangerous administration out of office for good, no matter who is the Democratic nominee. To that end, let's get to some of your calls at 818-985-5735. Let's go to Beth in Ojai. Hey, Beth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi,
3: Brad. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Um, well, what, what's on your mind?
3: I have a solution yeah. to vote blue no matter who.
1: Yeah. What's that? And
3: my solution is... Yeah. Um, Biden-Sanders ticket
1: because mm. it's
3: between the two of them, yeah. and they could join together now, and they don't have to fight, and everybody tell everything about bad things that happen or whatever, and mm-hmm. make up thing, and we could move forward, because I'm a total Bernie fan, mm-hmm. and I would definitely, if Bernie was on the ticket, I would definitely vote. So I think that just about everybody could vote for that, even and- though maybe they want, you know, Bernie people want Bernie first or mm-hmm. whatever. just because he'll be in there. He'll be able to influence Biden, and I
1: think it'd be good. Well, you might think it uh, would be good. Well, I I would have no problem with it. I don't know if Joe Biden would think it's good. But, Beth, let me ask you very quickly. uh, I presume that would have... uh, Well, I guess it doesn't matter. In this case, I I think you're talking about Sanders as vice president. But uh, if Sanders is not the vice president on the ticket and it is, say, anyone else, would you still be voting blue no matter who, Beth? I don't
3: know. It depends on what happens. Uh, that's a long ways away, but I think that they could really join together right now, and I think that that I, I would because uh-huh. I don't think uh, I don't think that any other person that's running out there we know who he'd pick, you know, Kamala, yeah. she wants. So, Beth, would people. you vote
1: for Donald Trump?
3: But no one's no one no never.
1: So why would you make it easier for Donald Trump to win by? Uh, yeah, I didn't say I would. Well, I but you, that. but I said, would you vote for Biden if he was the uh, the candidate? And you said, I don't know. It's a long ways away.
3: Yeah, it is a long ways away, and so I'd have to reserve my judgment for what was going on then.
1: Okay. Um, but so, right
3: now, so you might vote for Donald Trump. Make a solid ticket. No, I would never vote for Donald Trump. So I'd,
1: you would stay home.
3: I mean, no, no.
1: You'd I vote for a third party
3: if that was the last choice, But, okay. you know. Okay. Because I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think that he's that great. I mean, he he has uh, stocks in the oil. He's just more of the same.
1: Who, Joe Biden?
3: Uh, you know, yeah.
1: He's more of the same, meaning well, he's just like Donald Trump. No, 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 not
3: Donald Trump. Right. As long as we have an opportunity to get rid of Donald Trump, why not get rid of all the people who have? heavy big corporate donors like oil companies.
1: Because you may not know. have that option, Beth. It may be well, Joe if we Biden. If
3: you have the option then I'll <laughs> vote you know then I would vote okay. for Biden, and whoever it is. But okay. if we have a better option. I I I have to yeah. I have to say that I have to
1: I'm not sure who that better option would be if uh, Sanders does not win at this point, but we'll see. Beth, I really appreciate your call. Thank you very much for uh, calling us, 818-985-5735. Let's see who else I can annoy. Julianne in Los Angeles, welcome to the broadcast. Hi,
3: thanks.
1: What's on your mind, Julianne? You were a poll uh, poll worker or a poll monitor?
0: Monitor. So I was canvassing for half the day, and then midway through the day we kind of started hearing what was happening at the polls yeah and so i was sent to cal state la um Mm -hmm. which is obviously like a lot of college kids and it was really sad because so many of them were leaving because nobody has time to wait for three hours to be able to vote especially not a 20 year old kid who probably isn't necessarily that engaged already but Mm -hmm. they're taking the time to do it and then they yeah so so many people left it was really disheartening and really mm. sad. It's voter suppression. It's terrible. Yeah. Um,
4: yeah.
1: It is. That's and fine. I'm sorry to hear that so many people could not, uh, and I'm not surprised at all, that, you know, people cannot afford uh, some of them for, you know, health reasons, just can't stand there for three hours. But they mm-hmm. have to eat. They have to work. They have to get to class in the case of uh, the the poll that you were, uh, that uh, the voting center that you were watching, I suspect. Uh, That is really sad. Thanks for reporting in. And by the way, thanks for being a poll monitor, Julian.
0: Can I I say one more thing? Sure. Sure. Um, If anybody out there is a Sanders supporter, one thing that I would ask of you guys right now is to pick up the phone and call people in Michigan. It's so important that we get everybody who thinks Sanders ideas and policies are great to volunteer literally right now. We need you right now.
1: Gotcha. Thank you Julian. Appreciate that uh, call and appreciate all the work that uh, you are doing and for letting us know about it. Let me go to Aaron in Pasadena. Hey Aaron, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad.
4: Uh okay. Uh so here's um my, my uh, what I want to tell you. Okay. Uh, the inkvote method was working.
1: <laughs> That's Why the, the previous the the inkvote was the previous uh method that we had here yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah.
4: It was working fine. Yeah. Why did they have to change it to this e-voting method?
1: Well, they didn't have to. They chose to change it. Uh, they did have to. It, it The, the Inca vote system, and for people who don't know, you might remember the old punch cards. It's just like the punch cards, except instead of punching the cards uh, after the 2000 election, we changed to the same system, but you just ink in a dot with a little marker instead of punching through the cards. Uh, that is not an ideal system for a whole bunch of reasons. Among them, uh, if you pull out that card, you'll see just a whole bunch of circles on it with nobody's name on it at all, Uh, just a bunch of filled-in dots. We did need to switch to a better system, uh, not the one that had been developed back in the 60s that we had been using. Um, But the answer was easy The answer is what uh, Anybody who voted by mail here in Los Angeles Now sees We used to have to fill out those little circles Figure out which number went to which candidate But now we have a nice Easy easy to fill out uh, Ballot with everyone's name on it There's a a circle right next to the candidate's name, you fill it in, you send it in or drop it off. Those ballots could have been used at the polling places. They should have been used at the polling place. It would have cost about uh, half the price or less than this $300 million boondoggle. Um, So if we wanted to change, we did need to change, but not to this crap. That's my answer, Aaron. (laughs) Question. Yeah.
4: What? You mean by uh, wasn't the Inca vote the same thing as the pushing down that pen into that hole? In, into yeah, the, uh,
1: yeah, that was the Inca uh, vote. That was the Inca vote. That basically replaced after 2000. That replaced the punch cards. So it was the same system, but instead of right. punching all the way through the paper, you would just leave a, a an inked dot on the paper.
4: So why wasn't that uh, continued? I don't understand. Because
1: that. it was confusing. Well, it, it it was easily gamed. It uh, made it hard for uh, vote-by-mail voters. They were sent one of those cards and they literally had to, you know, you had to figure out who, what candidate you wanted, uh, his name or her name, and it was, oh, she's candidate 54. Then you have to find the 54 bubble on the thing and fill it in. It led to a lot of mistakes and errors, but I completely agree it was far better than what we have now, which is yeah. uh, far worse than what we had, and uh, so yeah, I'm. I'm. I, a, a in quick, essence, I'm with quick, you. Uh, yeah.
4: A quick update for you. Uh, yeah. I filled out my uh, vote by mail ballot before I went to the polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took me a little, a uh, couple of hours to mm-hmm. uh, go over the issues and the candidates, and I went to the voting center because I had a question. Uh, about uh, how I filled in uh, the circle mm-hmm. on, on the vote by mail ballot. And so when I went to the voting center and I showed it to this person who uh, was informing people in the line about uh, voting and uh, the e voting methods mm-hmm. and all that, you know, e meaning electronic, um, she sh- uh, she looked at it and she said, Oh, well, you've got it all filled out. So she ushered me to the front door to the entrance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have I to. Was standing at the back of the line, and she said it would be about a 42-minute wait to people that were standing online. Oh, no, 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 no,
1: Aaron, yeah. If you fill out a vote-by-mail ballot at home and bring it into the polls, you don't have to wait in any line. Just walk up to the front and say, here, and well, you hand it the off only to reason
4: them. I, the only yeah. reason I went to the voting center instead of go- going to a ballot drop box mm-hmm. is because I had a question about how I filled it.
1: Mm-hmm. I
4: accidentally, like, overfilled in the circle next to the mm-hmm. particular, you know, right. uh, ballot question. So that's what I
1: did. So I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I no. Be,
4: I just wanted to be safe. Yeah. And and so when she ushered me to the front line, I, I uh, was greeted by the uh, poll worker who handles the ballots. Uh, the only. A disgusting thing I had to do was to lick the, uh, the envelope
1: uh, flap. <laughs> yes, I hear you, Aaron. I got to run. I hear, I, I hear you, brother. Yeah, I know. That's the way to do it. Bring it in on Election Day. Drop it off. Appreciate that call. Uh, bring in your vote by mail. You don't have to wait in lines. You don't have to use those. Crappy, uh, unverifiable voting systems. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me do this. Take a quick break, and we will come back as quickly as possible with as many of your calls as possible. Uh, 818-985-5735 is mar- our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast.
2: And thanks.
1: It is like walking on broken glass. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Back to your calls. Let's go to uh, Marlene in Valley Village. Uh, you were a poll worker, Marlene. If so, thank you very much for uh, for for your service.
5: Yes, I was. Thank you. Uh, I really thank everybody who stood in line. I was in North Hollywood at the at Tanga and... Wow. Uh, chandler and people waited for three four hours and so i went out and thanked them profusely and tried to do some comedy and keep people (laughs) you know entertained as best i could good um my my experience is that what the problem was was with the tablets where you check people in Mm -hmm.
3: the
5: touch screen wasn't to me a problem Mm -hmm. i i didn't see you know most voters uh, handle that, I mean, and, and they would raise their hand if they needed help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but where you had to check people in, mm-hmm. those would shut down. I, I don't know if it was because uh, what people told me um, they're working them is that um, that they were getting in data from all over the county. So at one time, I mean, I estimated I had, eight, there was 800, probably six, seven, 800 people in line.
1: Oh, my God. And
5: uh, outside. And, um And so I, I looked at the clock and I timed it. There were two of those um, registration tablets working, two. Two. So that means two voters were being processed in 13 minutes.
1: Out of... 800 in line. Unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, this is the problem. And by the way, you know, if the internet. Dean
5: Logan should have been fired. Dean Logan should have been fired the next day well you know, Janet Hahn said let's do an investigation he should have just been fired immediately
1: yeah i hear you and let me say this uh la is not the only county that uses these electronic poll books if the internet goes down on election day november 3rd if there's a ransomware attack a denial of service attack a uh, a power outage these uh, counties like all- los angeles that have no plan b who can't check in voters if the electronic poll books don't work are playing right. with fire, and that fire. Uh, now, mind you, yeah. that
5: was that was the worst. There, you know, yeah. most of the time, but but average they would go down for 8 minutes.
1: Yeah, no I so, know. It was terrible. I mean, We've talked to a lot of poll workers who said exactly you know, the same. Mar- uh, uh, Marlene, I got to get out yeah. cuz I want to get in but a couple I more guess, calls. Yeah. I
5: wanted I wanted to say one thing about the gentleman who said he had to listen to the instructions all over again. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that somebody wasn't available to help him because he shouldn't have even been. He shouldn't have even been listening on the headphones. Mm. I mean, there was no reason for him to have been listening to anything. Gotcha. You just the you put your ballot in, and then you uh, you, you know you yeah. go right to it. Unless so, he was
1: blind, okay. but I hear you. Thanks, Marlene. I appreciate it, and thank you for your service. Let me see if I can fit in very quickly. A few more calls. Uh, L in uh, Palms. Uh, is that Palms or Palm Springs? Palms. Okay. Hey, L. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey. Hey.
0: So. Uh, Uh, I had a couple of questions. Um, I heard through the grapevine, possibly, um, that Padilla is some kind of a uh, campaign officer for the uh, centrist Democrats, like he's a Biden supporter. And I just wanted to know if that's a rumor or whatnot, because—
1: Well, no, he was a big—he was a big— yeah, he was a big supporter of Hillary Clinton's back in 2016. He's uh, very partisan. Uh, I find it very distasteful to see a secretary of state working uh, on on such a partisan level as he is to elect Democrats up and down the state and across the country. So, yeah, he's a, ve- a very partisan secretary of state. Absolutely. Okay.
0: And the other point was that I... I think it's absolutely crucial, and I was uh, uh, had talked to another elections official about this, that the L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk mm-hmm. should become an elected position and not an appointed one. We have to get that on the
3: ballot.
1: Uh, interesting idea, L. Thank you. Yeah, Dean Logan is, in fact, appointed, and the previous caller who mentioned he should be fired. In any other case, I would agree with you. He should have been fired the next day. That said... Los Angeles is uh, five and a half million registered voters. It's larger than 42 states. I'm not sure right now, as bad as this debacle was, I'm not sure that firing uh, our registrar recorder before the November election is a very good idea at all, as much of a problem as I have with him. Uh, Jesse, uh, I give you 10 seconds. Jesse in Long Beach, go. Oh, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. You got something? Nah, she's gone. You got five seconds. Go, Jesse. You know,
3: Democrats, if they want to win, they got to stop trying to fall in love with their candidates and just get in line. (laughs) This is the problem. Whoever our candidate is, we want to love them to death instead of just winning. There you you go. Sanders.
1: Thank you, Jesse. I hear you, and I'd love to have you go on, but I can't because i got to get out. My thanks to everyone who called in, to uh, uh, all the people who I couldn't get to. My apologies. We will try to do do it again very, very soon. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator today, Gary Baca, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And you can drop me an email if you want. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. See you there until we see you here tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.